Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode five of Two Twins in a Mic. So this is a bit of a different episode. Um, my brother Eli is in Melbourne enjoying himself. Um, so I thought let's just keep it going. So I asked Amanda, my wife, to join me. So we've got her here. Um, and we we're just discussing earlier again, like we keep it very like organic. What should we talk about? And I, I, I did mention to her there's one thing that kind of um, has been on my mind and I've been thinking about quite recently, which is I, I've noticed or come across a fair few people that tend to, um, and I like this word, I learned it the other day, have a monocular focus um, when it comes to certain things in life. And that thing being, um, in the, from what I notice, is people that just tend to hyper fixate on their jobs and they purely like everything in their life is centered around their job um, or their identity is very much tied to their, their job. And like, say, for example, if you were to ask them, well, what, what do you do in your free time? Um, you know, they might say, well, I just kind of work or I, um, or, or for example, if, if you meet them and you go, you let's say you're out for lunch somewhere or, or dinner, and then they're constantly on their phones, right? Like responding to emails, even though it's after five and there's no real expectation that you, that you have to, um, respond to the email, but it's almost like there's an uh, that's just the alarm for the um, focaccia bread that Amanda's making. So it's like, it's almost like they love the idea of being busy or like, for example, they don't really have, this is from the way I look at it, like any desire to kind of, I don't know, have external hobbies or anything beyond their jobs. I, I just find it very, very unusual how people can have such a, again monocular focus when it comes to career as though it's the be or an end or and i know it might be a very privileged thing to say we're like because you know for some people your job is your you know like for for example like if, if not everyone has the certainty or security or like um degree of wealth where they don't have to necessarily invest everything in their career but I, I, I feel like it is very unusual because we live in good times. And, you know, um, I, I think most people, particularly in Australia, are more or less on the same level in terms of their living standards. Obviously, you have people who are very well off. Um, but, the, you know, the median income is, is pretty reasonable here. But I just don't understand why some people, it's like they have nothing going for them. It's not that nothing's going for them. It's like they're only... Their, their pure focus in life is just their jobs. It's like they're almost one dimensional. That's how I look at it. It's just so one dimensional. And then they, they, they kind of, again, it's almost like they follow this timeline, right? That's this abstract timeline that's created for them by society, which is right. You're like, you hit five years old or whatever, you're six and you go to kindergarten. And then by the time you're 12 or 13, um, you're in high school and by the time you're 18 you're in university and then for them it's like by the time like you know you finish your degree if you chose to go to university it's like we have to buy we have to work super hard to buy and i say this specifically in australia to buy property and then it becomes the, the obsession for the next like god knows like 10 20 years maybe less than that five to ten years and then after that you have to get an investment property right you have to have multiple investment properties because you have to retire by the time you're 40 or 50. And one of my mates told me a very interesting story recently. He was like, there was this couple that he he um, he was made aware of. Um, so this lady works in teaching and apparently her and her husband had you know made some pretty good investment decisions and the property that they were living in sold for $8 million. These are like people in their 50s or 60s close to their 60s I think and then he's like it was so weird like before like you know she was a teacher and she was working super hard and all that and then obviously they made a lot of money um, not just from that property but from other properties as well and he was like it was so weird like rather than like, like have an early retirement 
or like do whatever you wanted to do because finally you've reached the end goal, right? The end goal was like to make lots of money so that you can do whatever you really want to do. He's like, in the end, she just ended up coming back to the school to continue working. And he's like, isn't that so weird? I was like, of course, it's it's very strange. So it's like, so what was the point of all of that? Like you could have had a very like balanced kind of, um, let's just say, uh, I, I guess a, a, not a stress-free, but a life that wasn't anywhere near stressful because to pay down a mortgage and to think about all of this stuff, blah, 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 and that whole period must be very taxing. And then you achieved what you wanted to achieve only to do exactly what you were already doing. But you could have been doing what you've already been doing in a, let's say, a calmer state, um, in a state without this 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 rush or this, um, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to pass on the mic to Manny. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Um, I am Sam's wife, for those of you who don't know me. Um, coming onto the podcast wasn't very hard because all I had to do was come downstairs. So it was awesome. Very convenient. But it's interesting, Sam, that you've raised, like, you've raised a few interesting points. And I think, I've, I mean, I'm a lawyer and I'm, I work in a pretty large team. And it's very interesting to see how the law tends to attract a certain personality type. And the personality type that law attracts is driven, hardworking people who are borderline workaholics. And if you just tip them a little bit over, get rid of a few resources from work, i.e. I. people you know, resign unexpectedly, these people are so quick to take on the workaholic role. Everything falls apart, their lifestyle, their health, their friendship circles, their, fr- uh, you know, their family relationships, etc. And I, I know people like this, you know, in my own inner circle as well, mm. who have this drive to just excel at work. Nothing else matters. They're physically like out of shape. <clears throat> yeah. Their personal relationships suck. Yeah. They're not really seeing anybody. They have literally nothing outside of work going for them. But at work, they are hyper fixated and hyper driven. So between nine to five, Monday to Friday, they're absolute guns. Any other time or day of the week, they are a total mess. And it's just like, it's so, I mean, for me personally, I can speak about this because I, at one point, I think was one of those people. It's not to say that I was unfit or unhealthy, but I think comparing myself now to what I used to be and how I used to operate, you can see such a, like a huge shift in mentality. So initially my thought process was, if you just work hard enough, you'll succeed in life. It's all about just working harder. Like people haven't recognized you and your talents because you just haven't worked hard enough. You haven't gotten promoted because you just haven't worked hard enough. And it's interesting because I'm almost 30 now and my perspective has entirely changed, partially because of being married to Sam. And you know, Sam's mentality is, it's not so much about how hard you work, it's more about the relationships that you build, how much you value yourself and how much you're willing to invest in things that matter to you. And I think what he meant was investing in yourself and investing in relationships translates into success in every facet of your life and not just work. Whereas for me, my hyperfixation was, but if I just you know, exceed my KPIs, I'll get there. Funnily enough, promotion time came around. I'm very open about this. I'm not going to shy away from it. I did not get promoted and three of my counterparts did. And when push, take, push came to shove, I, you know, obviously I was very upset, very depressed, very downtrodden. And the question was like, but what have they done that I haven't done? But in fact, I think I was putting myself in a strange mindset of comparison and it's wrong. It doesn't matter what criteria somebody else has that they have to you know, comply with to reach their goal. It doesn't really have a bearing on your goal or your successes. And there's also such thing as maybe it's just not your right time. Maybe you haven't invested where you have to invest in life to develop the business acumen and relationship acumen that you need to truly like excel in that workplace or in that, in that, in that industry, whatever it is. And so for me, I think the focus now is not so much on, you know, getting work done on time, smashing it out. It's more, how do I perfect what I'm doing? How do I slow down, really focus on the task at hand, look at it from start to finish, um, you know, understand the intricacies of the task and really just hone in on the law. And also from a commercial perspective, like 
maybe sometimes uh, the legal as the legal route isn't necessarily the best thing for the client sometimes you have to put on your you know commercial hat on sometimes you have to put on your person hat on sometimes you have to put a friend hat on and think of okay this person what's their personality like what do they hate what do they like what kind of advice do i have to provide to them how do i deliver that advice what's the end goal can i achieve this goal through a, you know a number of streams if so what are those streams how do I identify it to the client in a, in a palatable manner? And how do we work through that in a way that makes sense and is also you know, cost effective and time effective for the client? So it's, it's interesting. I think now that I've slowed down, I've actually been able to identify my weaknesses as a lawyer and beyond just being a lawyer as a person. <clears throat> and I think not getting the promotion when I wanted to get the promotion is in hindsight the best thing that could have happened to me because it's actually taught me to look at things from an objective lens more than an emotional lens it's like objectively what do i value in life okay i value excelling in my profession i value my interpersonal relationships i value uh, excelling as a person on an individual level Um, and i think sometimes people with the workaholic mindset lose track of that and they look at it as but by the time i'm 30 i need to have this and by the time I'm 40, I need to have this. But everyone's on a different timeline and timelines don't really exist. And even we're, we're watching this um, podcast series from Diary of a CEO. And there was a guy, Stephen, I don't know his surname. Bartlett. Bartlett. And he was talking about how he was, you know, he spent 20 years of his life fully dedicated on working. He had this goal in mind. His mother was sick. His father was... Oh, uh, Scott. Uh, Scott something. His mother was sick, his father was absent, and then so in his early 20s, he really became a man. He was like, I'm not providing for my mother in the way that I should, I need to become a man. And so his hyperfixation became providing for the family. And so in order to do that, he needed a better job. So he became a workaholic. He didn't see his kids for the first five, year of, first five years of their life. He wanted to provide, he wanted to build his empire. And look, he succeeded. But is he any happier 20 years down the track because he's done it? He got divorced the first time around. It cost him his health. It cost him his relationships, etc. Before he reprioritized and got remarried. And he actually made an interesting point, which is some people are wired to focus on money. So they live to work and some people work to live. So people who live to work typically come from capitalist societies like the U.S., even Australia, I mean, we're technically right-wing socialists, but I think we lean more towards capitalist ideologies. The UK, you know, Germany, etc. There are plenty of countries around the world that have cap- capitalist um, underlying ideologies and kind of push that onto their citizens. And they do that by ensuring that people cannot live or un- are, are, are unable to live the lives that they think they deserve without killing themselves in a job it's financially impossible to actually live the life that you want to live without working like a dog and if you contrast that then to people who um, um, work to live which is the other mentality they're actually a lot happier like on average and there's actually they did studies on um, blue zones around the world and there's a specific blue zone in the world it's in it Icaria in Greece. So blue zones are areas where people live to above 100 years of age. And one of the areas is Icaria in Greece, which is an off-island from Greece. Um, and the Greeks think that these people in Icaria are lazy as, which is anyway ironic, not going to get into politics. But anyway, and what they found that people in Icaria have a sense of community, a very strong sense of community and a very strong sense of friendship and a very strong sense of purpose. So a lot of them work on the land. A lot of them fish, for example, for a living. They eat from what they fish. They eat from what they grow. Um, After work, they work whatever they have to work. And after work, they're having a meal together as a family. The whole community gets around. They all eat together. If you need something, you can rely on your neighbor. They're making bread together. They're looking after each other's kids, etc. And they found that people that lead a purpose-driven life actually live longer and are happier. And then it begs the question, do people who live to work, is their life purpose-driven?
So for me, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around again, like I understand what you're saying, how with some people, it's just kind of in their, in, in their, in their mindset, like the way they're wired, it's like work, 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 work. And that, that may be true, but it's almost like you look, you look at people and you're like, but you're not a machine and you're a human being and you know human beings have needs and wants and whatnot and like you know everyone kind of has an idea of how they at least i i would like to think that people have an idea of how they want to live their life and um the things that bring them happiness and joy and whatnot but can 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 people honestly like maybe some people really do enjoy their jobs i'm not saying i'm saying i'm sure there's people that genuinely love what they do and some of us, it like it's it. We don't hate what we do, but it's not like I don't think to myself, you know, when I come back home from work, oh wow, I would love to spend another hour or two doing some more work from home. And yet, what fascinates me is that there are people like that. If anything, when I'm at work and if I have to come back home, and then if I find myself having to do more work, I become really anxious or really irritable, and I'm like, why would why should I have to do more work right now? This is my personal time. This is the time where like I can work on my own personal ideas or hobbies or even just watch TV. Um, but there are some people who see it as being unproductive. They're like, no. And you can see it sometimes when people are sending you emails around. I mean, there are exceptions. Like they might, there might be a reason why they're sending emails late at night. But there are some people literally on, on the weekend just shooting out emails as though like they're trying to prove a point. Maybe not. But it's just like, you know, I'm a hard worker or like, they define their their self-worth or existence through their their jobs and it's like part of me actually feels sorry for them but maybe maybe i shouldn't have to feel sorry for it sorry for them because maybe they don't see it as an issue nor do they really find it problematic that they work extensive hours um because they themselves are just like actually this is this is what i'm about like i'm a person who you know, <laughs> likes to, I don't know, work on operations and processes or like respond to, like, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to just really understand it. And I, I and I'm, I'm sure people can have a monocular focus on other things in life. Some, like some people who just hyper fixate on relationships or other people that, you know, hyper fixate on like sports. But I just find it so odd in the sense like, but there's just so much more to life. And at the end of the day, at least the way I look at it is when we work, work is just a means to an end, right? It's a way for you to feed yourself. It's a way to pay rent or, or a mortgage. Again, like I'm, there are the exceptions where people who have their own businesses and all that and like, you know, they would like to spend long hours. But I don't see that as work anymore because I see that as like, but this is a passion and this person created a business and they're trying to create like, whatever it is that they're trying to see through like if they if, if they have this idea of like like the other day recycling soap bars from hotels because they want to help the world or change the world or someone who has a great um financial acumen and they love investing and then they create like let's say a fund and that other people can invest in and then can became a company out of it and this is there's a true passion behind it that i understand but there are, i'm not talking about the people that have this deep passion i'm talking about people that like you ask them like, "What are you doing in your free time?" They're like, oh, "I don't know. I, I'll just work. I guess I, I just work, or I do some more work." And then I think to myself, but "Don't don't you want more from life? Don't you want to go out? Don't you want to explore places, meet people?" It's almost like everything would center around work. Then it's like, "Yeah, I do meet people at work, or I go to work functions or work events." And it's like, "Okay, but then you're just living in a very small circle with people that are very similar." So you're not getting a unique and varied experience in life. I totally agree with everything that you just said. And I just want to step back and focus on leading a purpose-driven life. I think a lot of people, let's talk about the average person. We're not talking about brilliant minds like, for example, Da Vinci, who literally spent his entire life, you know, perfecting his art or his science or his ingenuity or his you know inventions or whatever we're not talking about somebody like that we're talking about susan from accounting who comes back home and keeps working on you know like 
I don't know, ledgers or something like that, whatever. And I think these people are people that genuinely lack purpose in their life. And I think the reason why they the reason why they work so hard is because in my view, it's they don't know why they're here. So it's like if I don't know why I'm here and I can't for the life of me figure it out because I don't want to sit with my own thoughts and process on a deeper level why I'm here and what purpose I'm supposed to feel, time for these people is almost empty, painful and exceptionally slow. So it's like time is such an invaluable resource and yet time is interesting in the sense that it's it's immeasurable sometimes it goes extremely fast and sometimes it goes extremely slow for example if you're waiting to if you're waiting to jump on a train and the train's delayed by let's say five minutes those are the longest five minutes of your entire life it's like every minute it's like god i'm late to this appointment like are you serious hurry up and i think it's the sense of urgency that makes time pass so slowly it's like i know i have to get to a meeting i need to catch this train on time these are the longest five minutes of my life. If I was relaxed and I had nowhere to go, right? And I was just going to the city for fun, those five minutes go exceptionally quickly. So time is almost, um, it depends on which way you're looking at it and what your perspective is as to how fast or slow time goes. But if you think back to, for example, when you're a child, time went very, very, very slowly. But why was that? They actually did some studies and they found that time passes slowly when you're a child because you're living a purpose-built life. You're in the moment. You're trying to explore. You're trying to learn. You're trying to build your skills, build your technique, understand who you are, understand the world around you. But when you're an adult, that sense of playfulness, that time that you allocate for exploration goes away. It actually goes away because you are then bogged down in the world of responsibilities, work, etc. So... That's right, tasks. So for people who are older, time goes by incredibly quickly. They are working, working, working. They don't have the time to sit and paint, for example. Like when you're a kid, you know, it's a summer's day, your mum cuts some fruit for you, or you're in the backyard, you're painting. And time goes by incredibly slowly. You're watching the sun, you're watching the leaves, you're enjoying the wind, you know, your paint might splash around because of the wind, you know, but you're having a really good time. You're really enjoying the moment. But when you're an adult, you're literally running from A to B, you're trying to get things done. And I think for a lot of these people, the time, like between nine and five, time goes quickly for these people. But where time goes slowly is when they come back home and they have nothing to do. So rather than using that time, the abundance of time, to go and t partake in some self-discovery exercises, etc., and to really truly understand who they are and what their purpose is and you know what they want from life, they're like, shit, I have all this time. What do I do with it? It's empty. I'm just sitting here between four walls. I have no one to speak to. I have nowhere to go. In fact, 40% of people young people experience loneliness and say that they feel lonely you know on, on, on average so you've got 48 percent of people who are feeling incredibly lonely they're sitting between four walls after work's done they have the abundance of time and they're like well i'll just do what's familiar because i'm uncomfortable with sitting with my own emotions and processing what i want from life i'll just go and switch my laptop back on and i'll keep working because that's familiar to me and I can't for the life of me except, you know, staring at a clock ticking, mon you know, just mundanely for like the next five or six hours until it's time to close my eyes and repeat the same bullshit again tomorrow. That's just my take on it. I can see what you're saying. There's definitely a strong element of like escapism. That's what I'm getting. And I've seen it with certain people like it's, it's like almost they've detached or like zombified themselves from 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 life or from reality to the extent that you can rather than dealing with things in life and saying you know um i could be doing this i could be doing that and in their mind they've kind of rationalized well i'm not really wasting my time or wasting my life because I'm, I'm working harder and might potentially make more money with the end outcome being what i don't know because like okay you'll make more money and then you'll buy that bigger house but for what? 
or you buy that house, you know, in the fancy suburb for what? And that's, that's, that's the thing that scares me the most when I, and I, I, I mean, it shouldn't scare me, but it just kind of makes me think because I'm like, so what is it that, what is it that they're, I guess, hoping to achieve from all of this? But like, I, again, come back to the point of, it's just, it's not they're trying to, they just, it's like you mentioned, it's a form of escapism because you feel uncomfortable sitting with your thoughts. So say, for example, if you had a relationship that didn't work out or something like that then you're like well rather than like you know recess myself and maybe elevate myself and transform myself and go to the gym and all that and um read books and become i guess vaguely more interesting i'm just going to do some work i'm going to be doing more work and if you're like saying to yourself well i never meet people and it's almost like that weird circular thing where you're like well you're not meeting people because you just keep burying yourself in more more work and then you complain or for example, people that say like, oh, I'm getting, I guess, fat, I'm gaining weight and I don't understand why I'm gaining weight, but it's so obvious to the person, people around you because they're like, but you just sit down all day and then you just work or, and I've seen it happen like with people in like very long-term relationships. I'm talking like people that are older and, you know, their partners would use work as a, as an escape because they themselves can't get along with their spouses which is very, which I find to be incredibly unusual and, and sad because I'm like, but you chose to be with, I like to think most people chose their spouses, but you chose to be with that person. And then rather than addressing any issues or concerns or problems that you might have in your life, maybe you don't find them as exciting, maybe because you don't do anything together that would be considered exciting, or maybe there are underlying issues that you've never really dealt with, but your idea of um, maintaining your relationship is by saying look i'll just bury myself in my work rather than express myself and it goes back again what to, to what you were saying earlier amani which is because um, people feel uncomfortable with their emotions so it's sometimes you would just find people that even though there's no need for them like because after covid um you know a lot of companies have given employees the option of working from home and I understand some people, they, they just feel a little more productive at work or they just don't feel comfortable working from home. But there are some people, even I remember before COVID, they just like, they like to linger back in the office. It's almost like, but I'm like, but why would you want to be in an office environment? It's very artificial. It's very gray. It's very uninspiring. And the people that linger, it's almost like they're trying to avoid something. Be it avoid the reality of their lives, be it avoid the reality that they themselves might not be necessarily um, living life fully. So they just say, well, it's okay. It's not a big, like in their mind, they're like, I'm not wasting my time. It's like, I'm actually just working. And work, working more is, is a good thing because, you know, productivity is really important, particularly in a capitalist society when you've been brainwashed to think that particular way. But also, I'm just very much generalizing. There could be a, num a number of reasons. Um, but from but what I'm trying to understand is like, I mean, time is obviously finite. And my greatest fear is like not doing everything that I've wanted to do or not experiencing everything that I've wanted to experience. Whereas some people I feel like are more than happy to kind of let like life just pass them by. As long as they're focused on their jobs, they're like, I'm living life, you know, or if, they, if they're working hard, it's like, I didn't miss out because I've been, I've been working really hard. And, but those are the people that really confuse me because then they'll, they'll be like, well, where did the last 20 years go? Or like, I missed seeing my children grow up. Or like, again, like that guy was describing, like, I, you know, my, my, my first marriage broke down because I was working so hard. But maybe that's not why your first marriage broke down. It's because you weren't, you know, investing, well, you were obviously like, you broke down because you were working beyond what you had to work. But at the same time, like, there are, I mean, there are pl plenty of people who are, who are successful and like they, 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 I mean, they're still married. They haven't really divorced and they have like a really good life. Um, I just think maybe, you know, you, you, you can have conversations obviously with your, with your partner. If, 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 for example, you're looking for financial security and then you just make it clear, but then you can like with that, um, that guy that was watching recently on Dive CEO, I'm trying to remember his name. He's like the love expert and guru and all that. Who's just saying like he makes it even if even if he comes back late from work, at least he makes an effort to have dinner with his wife at eleven or twelve p 
a.m. together because they're like oh, 12 a.m. because we're spending time together. Regardless, like you can make the effort. It's just that you choose not to make the effort. There's a saying where that where it's normally applied to to females or even males. They're like, um, I think I said it the other day, which is if they could, they would. No, if they wanted to, sorry, if they wanted to, they would. So it's like some people say like, oh, like I was with this person and they never were like that with me. But when they moved on to another relationship, they were like that with someone else. Because the truth is, if they wanted to, they would. They would. Um, and it's the same thing with people, I guess, that overwork themselves. Like it's not to say that you can't be successful. Um, you just have to find yourself the right partner that will support your ambitions and that will also work with you and even around you in a way um, if that's what you're you're after um. yeah I 100% agree with what you're saying and I think you touched on an interesting point which is some people spend a lot of time at work to avoid their partners or they come back home and they don't have anything in common with their partners and it's an incredibly sad reality and I mean I've I've seen it I know people who are like that it's not just one person it's it's many people who are like this and um you know they're like oh Manny, like but you know your marriage is fantastic like you you know everything's great for you and i was like guys like what you see right is years of work therapy dedication and choosing to be better every single day like waking up and saying today i want to be better than yesterday and it's not just one person it's both people that have to have the same mentality and choose to be better and choose to grow every single day. And it's it, the reason why I'm saying this is because what typically happens in relationships is this. You meet the person, you're physically attracted, you vibe, etc. And you're like, oh, they'll be a great life companion. But they don't think about what this person will be like 10 or 20 years or 30 years from now. They think about the now. This person's great now. And it's like this instant gratification thing that they have going on. This person's hot now. This person's exciting now. This person's like really like adventurous now. But it's like, okay, but when the realities of life kick in, right, are they still going to be hot, adventurous and excitable? Potentially not. So it's like you have to consider the person that I'm with, right? What kind of person will they be in five years time or 10 years time or 20 years time? And what kind of person am I going to be in five years time, 10 years time or 20 years time? And you need to match that timeline up, right? Because what happens is, let's say, for example, I'm with Sam and Sam really likes the gym and Sam wants to live a healthy lifestyle and Sam wants to partake in mindful parenting. And that's Sam's like life goal, being a mindful parent, eating from his vegetable garden, going on like trips overseas every, you know, in like twice a year or whatever you know, meeting people all the time, engaging. But then he's with somebody like me. And this is this is true, right? So with me, I'm I like adventures, I like going out, but my lifestyle wasn't as healthy as Sam's lifestyle. I wasn't going to the gym as frequently as Sam was going to the gym. I wasn't considering mindful parenting as much as Sam was considering mindful parenting. I wasn't engaging with people or socializing or putting that energy or effort into that part of my life like he was. So effectively, it's about matching your partner's energy and meeting your partner where they're at at their point in life. So obviously, when we got together, Sam was ahead of me in life, like in, in various aspects. No, it's not saying he's better or I'm better. It's not like that. It's just looking at it from an object, objective perspective and saying, where are you at in life? What are your values like? How do you live your life? And where am I at with life? How do I live my life? What do I want? Like, what, what, where, objectively, where objectively am I in life? And you realize there's actually quite a large gap. And so in order to make a marriage or relationship or partnership work, you actually have to fill that gap extremely quickly because it happens in relationships. One person grows and the other person lags, right? So the other person has to catch up incredibly quickly to match where their partner is at. Because let's say your partner is two or three steps ahead of you and you're still lagging and you're, you don't have the open-mindedness to consider their point of view or consider their way of life or to meet them where they're at and you're lagging, it's going to create a lot of animosity in that rela relationship. It's going to create a lot of issues. Like let's say, for example, Sam wants to spend his free time at home, you know, spending quality time with me. He really wants to have a family meal. He wants to engage. He wants to share ideas, his, you know, um, his goals for, for life, etc. 
And meanwhile, I'm on my phone because I'm an Instagram addict and I'm like, oh, look at this funny like cat video, right? So I'm not at the, I'm not at the level of consciousness where Sam is at, hypothetically speaking. So Sam's going to be like, but I don't feel like I can engage with you on that deep level. I'm starting to feel this resentment to the relationship because I feel like we're not at the same level. I'm trying to build this life. I'm trying to share the deepest, most intricate parts of my mind with you, which are, you know, I think it's quite an intimate thing to do. That's that's a form of intimacy. And the other person is shutting down completely and saying, but I don't want to do that. So this is why, for example, some people do spend more time outside of the home or when they do come home, they aren't engaging in a meaningful way. It's the relationship is breaking down because you're not watering the relationship in the correct way. And it's not just marriages. It, it extends to friendships, family relationships, work relationships, your relationship with yourself even. So I think when people talk about, I'm just workaholic, I'm just wired that way. It's like, no, no, you're trying to avoid your home. You're trying to avoid something deeper than that. And you are uncomfortable with sitting with yourself and truly identifying where that discomfort arises from and what steps you need to take to alleviate the discomfort and that's just my personal take on it yeah because i don't think anyone if they're on their deathbed would ever think to themselves geez i wish i worked some more you know what i'm saying and so i, f- I feel like we we at least the way i look at it is when we work we all started off more or less with the same mindset more more or less which is we need to work to survive right and then some people are like well i want to create my own business because i want to work for myself and there's other people who have like passion projects and they want more meaning fulfillment and maybe some people want that fulfillment meaning through work some people might see work as just a means to an end and they can do the they can find something fulfilling and meaningful on the side um, because they choose jobs that aren't necessarily as intense but they those jobs free up their time or whatever it is um but again i i actually definitely agree because i'm like if you are one of those people that just generally like just like i don't know i don't know i'm just going to keep working i'm just going to keep working it's like what are you avoiding what are you hide? what are you running away from um because that's that's i mean i just can't think of it as being like something that would be rational in a human being's mind where you're like i just it will bring me the greatest joy to know that I, I basically spent the majority of my youth and, you know, my best years, you know, I guess punching numbers into a spreadsheet or writing these amazing like letters to clients, blah, 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 or reviewing. I just don't understand how that, how that could possibly be the reason why some people just find themselves being so overworked. Like the body needs to move. There's nothing more fulfilling and enjoyable than like moving about, you know, running, swimming, cycling, uh, I guess going to the gym, walking. You definitely feel a lot better. And like the body will tell, like it will will definitely signal to you, you know, this is what you want. You want to be out in the sun, you know, getting that vitamin D that makes you feel better. You want that fresh air. Um, so if anyone like if I if like people are trying to really justify it, I'm like I, I don't know. I just find it it's just so unnatural, and it's like, but why don't you just dig deeper um, and feel whatever you're, you're trying to avoid, rather than trying to um, do the mental gymnastics of trying to explain? No, no, no. Actually, I'm a very ambitious person. I'm like I'm 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 actually a very ambitious person myself. But that doesn't mean I want to work like a, like, like a workhorse. I, I don't. I want to achieve certain things. I want to be very smart and efficient about how I achieve these things. I want to see myself basically add value without having to necessarily, you know, spend too much time. Like how do I, how do I harness technology to make things better, to free up my time for other things? How do I delegate, you know? Um, some people have this thing where like like they can't very much delegate certain responsibilities or tasks but it's almost like their self-worth is like no 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 only i can do this and i want to hold on to this because i don't want anyone else to know how to do it otherwise i'm invaluable or, or worthless but the reality is you wouldn't be 
as long as you're constantly upskilling and learning and, and trying new things and learning new things, um, then you will always be invaluable because you're adapting and things always change. It's like the people that get that very much like we said, focus on work for most of their life, but they're like so linear and they can only do one thing really well. And then, you know, they might lose their jobs or that industry becomes completely redundant and then they just, they're just shaken to their complete core. And it's like particularly athletes, right? Like as soon as they retire, a lot of them like end up struggling mentally um, because like, well, what, what do I do now? Who am I? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, you, I'm not saying like dedication allows you to excel in your discipline, but then there has to be more to you. You can't just think to yourself, but I'm just a soccer player. I'm just a football player. I'm just a lawyer. I'm just, a, you know, a hedge fund manager, whatever it is. It's like, but who who are you? And what are you trying, like, tell us more about yourself. Like, open up. Why? And particularly there's people that overwork themselves or work really long hours and really hard. They're very, they're not very open people. Like, I, I find, right? It's almost like every conversation that you have with them is somehow centered around work or like, them going for and you know the next highest position um it's like okay like but everything's just this somehow centers around work but but don't like tell me something about yourself that's a bit more profound a bit more meaningful a bit deeper um you can't you can't be i'm not saying people aren't there are probably a lot of people who are very simple and i don't mean in a derogatory way but there's no way people are very complex creatures um and i just wish I wish to know more from these people about what's actually going through their their minds. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, and I think just touching on the last point that you made, I think a lot of people, particularly in professional industries, we kind of put ourselves in a box and we become quite linear. So I'm, I'm guilty of this. So for example, <coughs> someone's like, who are you? The first thing I'll say is I'm a lawyer. That's the first thing that comes to mind. That, like, so I basically identify myself as my job. I can't separate and say, I'm Amani and my hobbies are X, Y, and Z, right? Which is what people maybe who aren't so work-driven will say. They'll be like, oh, hi, Amani, like, who are you? I'll be like, oh, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm from Sydney. I'm married. So like, it's like you can basically go through the hierarchy in your mind and it's like and when you actually ask yourself that question from a hypothetical perspective and you answer it you're like holy shit like i actually fall into the category of linear people and then it becomes almost an exercise of undoing that and it's like actually beyond who you are as a lawyer let's throw some hypotheticals right so if i was like um let's say i wasn't a lawyer let's say i didn't know who i was let's say i know i'm a manny and that's that. And I know what my general skill set is. Like, for example, I am incredibly good at thinking. Like, I have a great mind. I know that I can think through any difficult situation and I will find 100 possibilities, 100 answers, right? That might not cross half of the people's minds around me. It's just how my brain works. But for me, I know, okay, great. I'm a really good critical thinker. I can think outside the box in a nonlinear manner. Fantastic. So obviously jobs that are quite like restrictive won't work for me because it's not going to give me the satisfaction that I want. So then it's like, okay, great. So what job? Obviously I can't do things like accounting unless I want to do creative accounting, in which case I'll be in the Cayman Islands. But obviously like if I was here, it would be, okay, what jobs give me that mental satisfaction that I need? Because obviously I can't do things like, you know, like, I don't know, work as a, like, you know, like at a cashier or something like that because it's not going to give me the stimulation that I want. I mean, there are people out there who legitimately just want to work as a cashier. And they're like, for me, I want to spend my time just thinking. So I don't want to think about my job. I just want to be in my head. And for them, the satisfaction that being a cashier brings them is that peace in the sense that they don't have to exert themselves in their mental everyday like jobs because they can then use that energy for what they are really thinking about in their minds like for example someone yeah some, they might be creative right someone might be like i really want to be a baker like it's always been my lifelong dream to be a baker because i know that i feel so connected to the tasks that i'm doing i feel so connected to like this skill set that i have you know and there's an artistry in the way that the bread rises and depending on how much water you add 
and the water content is at 85% is at 80%, it's going to result in a different kind of bread. And when I bake that and I see the results, I feel like a scientist and it brings me joy. So it's like, what, how does your mind operate and how do you then establish what you want to do from life or who you are or what your hobbies are based on deep down, like within you, like who you truly are. And it, I think it comes from an exercise of, okay, scrap away anything that you know about yourself and look at yourself from a clean slate, from a clean perspective. So if I said, I mean, and everyone's got a different view of what the other person's like, right? So for example, Sam might say, look, I am really good, uh, you know, from a technical perspective. He'll be like, I just know that I have a technical mind and I am so fascinated by how things work. Therefore, I'd really like to be an engineer, right? Whereas like, I'll be like, but Sam, like, yes, you're really good at technical things, but also, hey, like, have you seen how great you are with people? Like you have a natural effortless way of connecting with people and it's like really beautiful to see Sam like it doesn't matter where in the world you put him any language any culture any religion and he will just click with them on some deep level and he has a way of picking out people's like just the deeper elements of a person through basic conversation and I've always been astounded by Sam's skill and I'm like I, I know I don't have that so I know for example that me being in a very like social environment is going to be quite difficult for me and unnatural and unnerving to an extent whereas for Sam it's quite a comfortable thing so I think this first step is identifying what your strengths are and really honing in on those strengths and not so much from a work perspective but more in terms of from a what are my generally like from a clean slate what are my strengths and weaknesses and then conversely it's identifying what your weaknesses are and then building the muscle to work through your weaknesses. Because like, for example, I'm really not that great at people skills. And obviously it's a learned thing. And I don't like living by the labels of I'm a terrible people's person because it's confirmation bias, right? The more you think you're terrible at something, the more you actually prove to yourself that you're terrible at something. But if I said, look, I'm good with people as like you might not necessarily be good with people but because that's the energy you've put out that's the frame of mind that you have all of a sudden you're trying to do everything that you possibly can to prove that you are actually good with people so the narrative changes so I think in terms of work people tend to fixate on that being their sense of identity they fixate on but I'm just really, really good at this. And so because they're really good at something, like a natural talent kind of thing, they don't like to explore things that they might also potentially naturally be good at, which they haven't explored. And conversely, they don't explore things that they might not be good at, but that would actually benefit them in identifying what their life purpose truly is. And I, it comes back to the uh, show we're watching today about Diary of a CEO where the guy is the love expert and he was talking about how Oprah um, basically um, operates from this frame of 150 friends and it's actually from this book from some guy I don't know his name and the theory is that um, you actually get more value from your 140th friend than your first few very very close friends so your 140th friend becomes people like acquaintances people that you've met like once or twice and so typically people don't really invest that much time, effort or energy into building those relationships. Rather, they focus on the five or 10 people closest to them. And funnily enough, those people actually reap, like you don't get the most reward. They don't yield the most reward for you in the long term. So what Oprah does is before she launches any of her programs, she actually has a dinner with 20 or 30 people who range from politicians, sports people, people that are from the schools where she runs her not-for-profit organizations, etc., And they all come together in a, almost like a melting pot um, of ideas and uh, concepts and theories and energy and outlooks. And all of a sudden you have a cross-section of society mm. made up of 20 or 30 people, all of whom are incredibly different to you. And so you're getting these perspectives that challenge your inner working as a person 
And it's important to be in uncomfortable situations. It's important to be around people or in environments that are uncomfortable for you because how will you grow otherwise? How will you know what you truly are like or what you like or don't like or what you want to do with life or your, what your purpose is if you're basically living in a bubble? Like you're living in a microcosm of the world that you want to know it to be, which isn't actually the reality of what the world is. For example, like I, I have friends, not that many, but like a few friends. And I tend to choose people who are incredibly similar to me in a lot of ways. And so it's that, again, confirmation. It's like hearing like uh, yourself speaking in a mirror, right? I say blah, 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 and then they go blah, 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 back. But it would be nice to occasionally hear someone go blah, 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 blah. It's like slightly different, right? It's like because hearing that different perspective allows you to truly challenge how you view yourself and the world but without that and you're on like if you're only hearing the same someone's echoing the same shit that you say basically day in day out it's like how much can you truly grow as a person how are you investing in yourself and your relationships and your work and the world around you and your deeper purpose if you're not actually utilizing the time that you have post-work or pre-work to actually identify what those things are and to build that up yeah, no, no, definitely agree. And so, just just to kind of make it clear, I'm not tr- we're not trying to make any disparaging remarks about people that do work very hard and that that they're so focused and all that. It's just trying to kind of unravel and like shed some light and hopefully maybe let people see that you know their life isn't you know you're not supposed to spend the majority of your life in an office environment, you know, just performing some sort of like repetitive task or not even just a, it doesn't have to be a repetitive task but like you know a- anything that anything that kind of takes your attention away from from life as well like because you know you want to live life and you want to make sure that you live a very full life um you will never regret you know experiencing life and, and taking time to actually in, in enjoy it rather than just hyper fixating on on your your job because at the end of the day a job is just meant to be a, a job um and if, if a job can be more than that in terms of like a passion project that leads to income then that's that's even better but it's just always found it very unusual and then because by naturally as well people benchmark themselves against others so if you see someone else pulling on very very long hours then you think to yourself but maybe i have to do the same and I think there was one example that they were giving in, the, in that, that um, podcast, the Diary CEO with Stephen Bartlett um, and Paul Bronson. And he was saying, so Paul Bronson was working in investment banking and he was, I think at the time, 30-ish. Um, and the guy, that they were, um, the guy that they were reporting to was this 33-year-old um, investment like the, the director of the, uh, or the manager of the, the investment banking division and his wife he was saying was you know in the process of giving birth and um she was in labor and the manager rather than being there with his wife is like you go off to the hospital he sent her off to the hospital and he went to work because there was a big deal that had to be worked on that day and then that's when paul brunson said he knew that he didn't want to be in this this industry or nor did he want to see, did he see himself doing this but he's like everyone else, everyone else as soon as that man just stepped into the office knowing that his wife was going into labor basically stood up and just clapped for for that manager as though that's something to be proud about and i think a lot of us are kind of brainwashed into believing you know um this narrative that of the, the important person the successful person who basically sacrifices everything and then later on, they talk about like happiness and how a lot of these people are actually because eventually, look, if you pull stunts like that, you'll probably end up divorced or very alone um, and you won't really have any real connections with the people around you. So you might have all the material trappings of, of life, you know, and all the wealth that you, that you seek. But at the end of the day, you know, rather than being alone or feeling isolated in a, in a small home, you're just isolated and alone in a big mansion without anyone to really share you know your life with or to truly reflect back and on, on real experiences where you are super present because even some people like they're on holidays and I, I make it very I'm, I'm always very um, clear when it comes to holidays I never look at my work emails 
like everything could be falling apart. Like if there's something so urgent, then people will just give me a call. That's my mindset. But I've never looked at my work emails when I've been on holidays. Um, and normally when things have been really critical, um, someone has given me a call. Um, but even then, I don't necessarily like it. But because for me, I'm like, but I'm on holidays. I'm here. I'm present. I don't get to do this very often. Whereas I guess other people, it doesn't matter. Like they have this this kind of like obsession where they're like, I want to be made, want to be available all the time. I want to feel like I'm super important. I want people to look at me as though I'm I'm important, right? Even though the irony is, that's for me. That's not the that's not the idea of success. That's like you're a slave to the system. The idea of success is like, okay, you can, you have enough money in life to live life, to the point where you're comfortable. You don't have to worry about things, um, but you're also able to really be focused in the present and you know what's happening around you and so another th- the, the issue that i take with um people that are just kind of monocular you know workhorses it's like everything centers around the work right so they're like yeah i did go out like it's like could you go out with like workmates it's like oh we went we had this event it was like what was it, it was a work event mm-hmm. you know it's like your life is so small like you've literally shrunk it to such a small size and then I'm, i can almost guarantee that what you talk about mostly with the people that you you call your friends that are normally from work is just about work and it's like okay but don't you just think there's more like don't you get just tired of that and it's always like what's the next thing like it's like um the five-year plan god i hate that the 10-year plan you know if for work it's like I mean, what's, what about your life? Like, what about your plan for life? What's your five-year plan to be to make sure that you know you're happy, healthy, and and s- fulfilled? What's your ten-year plan to make sure that you're going to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, and you know you're you're close to just whatever whatever your dream is or whatever your ambition. Everyone has some level. Of, I'm not saying that you have to have a dream, but it's like, but but they don't focus on that. They're like, by this age, I'm going to be like, as you mentioned, I'm going to be like uh, a so-and-so. And then I want to make sure I'm a director by this. And then I want, by the age of 50, I want to be on the board of directors for blah, 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 blah. It's, it's like, whoa. It's like, just put the brakes on for a second. Because um, there's, there's, there's a point where like, you're like, what is that your, is that everything? Is that, is that your life? Like, and you know, you haven't told me like, um, and to the point where people are willing to put off like, you know, marriage, children, whatever it is, um, even like traveling abroad and live, doing something like, I don't know, tending to a farm in Italy because they're like, no, no, I have to meet these abstract career ambitions and I have to climb, you know, this ladder because I have to be here by this age. Otherwise, I'm a failure or I need to make this much money, blah, 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 um, which is like pretty intense if you think about it. Again, I feel like we're vibing today. I agree with everything that you said. So maybe I've been married for too long. It's time to... I'm going to have the three-year rich instead of the five-year rich instead. So sick and tired. I can't do this anymore. I need to shave off this marriage. Oh, I can't do it. Anyway, we're agreeing too much. This is terrible. Anyway, but yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think it's really interesting how you were talking about how people make it their entire identity. They can't see past it. And I just want to link it back to, like, let's say, for example, you had a kid. The kid's name is Timmy. Timmy's five years old. I love using the example Timmy. I don't know why. It's just the, I think everyone uses the name Timmy for some strange reason. Anyway, imagine actually being called Timmy. That's sad. Anyway, and then so little Timmy's five years old. He's gone to preschool. He's now going to big school for the first time ever. And then all of a sudden, like, Timmy's like, oh, like, my daddy couldn't make it to my show at school because daddy was too busy working. And then Timmy goes and tells his friends, my daddy is lawyer. My daddy can't make it to my presentation because, you know, daddy's too busy making money. Meanwhile, Timmy is like a counterpart at school called Johnny, has like his dad and mum present and his dad's not taking any calls and his dad's, you know, like actually looking at Johnny's performance, you know, wide-eyed, excited that his son's, in the, you know, performing. And it's like, Timmy is going to grow up having some sort of like um, issue, right? It's like, I can't rely on anyone. Um, I have to rely on myself. I, my parents are never around. So I basically have to grow up 
myself you know what i mean and be an adult and take on that responsibility because i can't for the life of me ever allow my parents so what you're doing effectively is number one timmy doesn't really care if you have work or not timmy just wants a present parent that's honestly what kids want they want present parents and i think if you want to be a parent you need to only you should only be a parent when you know that you're able to put some wheels in motion in your life and actually prioritize that child it's not i'll have a child you know like everyone's got children right and it's like but you're not actually shifting your life or your priorities in any way to make meaningful space for that child to be in your life and so timmy's going to grow up you know resenting his family wondering why the fuck they're like workaholics you know meanwhile johnny's got a secure attachment style and timmy poor timmy grows up with an anxious attachment style can't rely on anybody for the life of him and then ends up repeating the cycle of his parents you know completely being avoided in relationships in life at work socially etc and it's just perpetuating this cycle of i can't rely on anybody i have to work like a dog to make it in life because i have nobody else to look up to to look up to or be around or you, you know any of that so i think part of being a workaholic is potentially psychologically driven from when people were children and you know this the the feeling of i can't rely on anybody i can only rely on myself and i think also being a workaholic perpetuates a cycle of also raising kids who are workaholics and then it's like you know these are the same parents mind you who complain in the hallmark movies about their kids not coming home for christmas you know it's like my son's in the office he's stuck he's been snowed in on christmas day oh my god then he finds a woman who's you know whose car broke down and he's like hey like excuse me can i help you and she's like oh no like my car just broke down and he's like let me help you with that and all of a sudden they're stuck in a cabin together where she's trying to teach him how to like unlearn all of the habits of workaholicism workaholism workaholism and uh you know um avoidant attachment styles that he has learned over the course of the years and then at the end of the movie he finally makes it to his parents house he confronts his parents about how he learned this from them and the end lo and behold they get married they have their own kids and now he's a lumberjack working on his like family farm so i mean this is the kind of stuff that you see all around and it's like in the same sense like you know this is like a big america like hollywood right and it's like it's such a stark contrast to the culture that they have the hustle culture right so it's like you're literally encouraging people to partake in hustle culture and then at the same time these movies are the antithesis of of you know hustle culture and they're like actually no like find true love like you know establish yourself like have a great life have kids and i'm like dude like how can you say how can you keep pushing this narrative forward and then in order to make big bucks from hollywood you know and then play on the heartstrings of workaholic women in their masculine state while work, working go i also want to be a woman who finds a you know avoidant lumberjack guy who goes back to his you know family and stops working and looks after his kids it's like but the entire system is so fundamentally broken and it's like you've got this contrasting you know like images that keep being like pushed onto people it's like be a workaholic you're nothing without your job you will be a failure without your job and it's like on the other hand it's like but if you focus too much on your job you won't you might be a manager at 25 but you'll never have life and you might be sterile it's like but like it's like i'm so confused like just pick one just tell me how i'm supposed to live my life i think it's been a pretty good rap so we'll keep it to an hour um i really enjoyed this discussion and hopefully we didn't offend anyone it's just a general observation and you know i guess it's good sometimes just maybe sometimes we all need a reality check in 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 our own ways yeah and, and my takeaway lessons i guess from this is just um you know don't wrap yourself up and kind of end up in this tunnel where you just see this one thing which is work and it's the be on end or and then you know 20 years 30 years of your life just passes by and you if you've always used it as an escape but you've kind of justified your work holism workaholism 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 by saying to yourself but it's all right because then I'm making more money for my family or then I have a, a greater potential of you know climbing the ladder and being something more but it's like okay that's 
it's fine. But then what do you just make, make sure that you always ask yourself, am I running away from something or am I trying to avoid feeling something? That's the way I look at it. Um, should I wrap it up or did you have your takeaways? So firstly, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. As always, like I really enjoy our chats and <coughs> I can actually get quite heated and um, passionate about the discussions. So again, like it's not uh, to offend anybody. It's just our observations. Obviously, you know, Sam and I are quite uh, observant people and we also are quite opinionated people as well. So we look at the world around us, you know, we take what we can, we try to implement, you know, better habits and better ways of life. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a constant like learning opportunity for us and we really enjoy it. So for me, I think the takeaway lesson is really, you know, how to live life with purpose and living a purpose-driven life. I think that's probably one thing that even I need to take on board. And the other thing is not focusing on narratives that, number one, contradict one another. And that's been basically what's being pushed upon us by society. It's like, do this, oh no, now you're 35 and you know, your ovaries have stopped working, so you've got to have a kid right now. Um, so I think that's also like something that I've taken away from it. And I think as part of that, it's not focusing on timelines and just realising that you're exactly where you need to be at this point in time and that every day is a blessing and that every day your um the goal for tomorrow is just to be better than the day that was so i think for me like they're the key takeaways and just realizing that in order to do that it's about acknowledging like your strengths weaknesses and what you want from life the relationships that you want to have and understanding that you know work is one aspect of that life but there are other aspects as well that may not have been fully um explored thank you everyone we look forward to, to having you join us next time